Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, all. Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist. If the audio sounds a little strange today, I'm recording in a very different location than I usually do. Uh, but I want to remind everyone that as a disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please seek out a mental health provider in your area to work on your unique issues. So our episode today is a gentleman that I've been watching uh, as a result of my having talked to and recorded with Bridget Jeffries. Uh, I happen to be sitting down as I was doing something else to put on YouTube and watch something else she, she was in. And then up pops this gentleman here. And it's like, oh, who is this? And uh, this was for RuneQuest, which was part of Chaosium. And who I'm talking about is the very prolific actor and, and po- uh, podcaster, London Carlson. London is a New York-based actor and improviser, originally from Alabama. London received his BFA in the theater performance from Auburn University. Since then, London has been seen on stages uh, across the uh, country, especially this is just audio, uh, regional theater credits, uh, including uh, Lions Theater, the Public Theater, Classic Theater of Harlem, and Florida Studio Theater. London's performances in Hands Up at the Alliance Theater was con- called Astonishing and the high point of the play by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When not on stage, London co-hosts the 111 or 111 podcast with Jackson Whiting of the band ZYX. In addition, he's trained at Auburn University or Auburn London at Auburn. London was, uh, has worked with prolific actors, uh, is also trained with the katana uh, with Yoshi Amaro, founder of the Samurai Sword Soul Theater Group. London is an avid tabletop player, a role-playing gamer, and can be heard on the any award-winning podcast Ain't Slayed Nobody. He is also the producer and game master of Spot Hidden, a Call of Cthulhu stream. London's gaming collaborators include Wizard of the Coast, Chaosim, and Paizo. Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls and Tethers, London. Thanks for having me here, Perry. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. It's good to be here. Right, you, and uh, it's a pleasure to be able to talk to other gamers that are also of color, considering this field is being often considered so white. Yeah, yeah. Good to talk to someone looks like me, sounds like me. <laughs> I mean, speaking, of, speaking of looking, um, I, I was... You mentioned that this is audio only. I was showing off my Auburn water bottle. I always keep some sort of Auburn apparel anywhere near me. I'm wearing a stylized tiger on my hat because I'm just about that life. Um, so, yeah, War Eagle to all the Auburnites that are listening. So, yeah, gotcha. thank okay, you. So it would be um, San Jose State. Go on to the Chargers and the Spartans. All right. Hey, hey, rep your school. Do it. Oh, I yeah. ain't going to be mad. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I start off with everyone is, how did you get here? Here, how, how did I get here? You want to share with everybody and your journey. Yeah, yeah. So I got here because of this unmet need as a child. Okay, that sounded really dark. The the need 
it really isn't that serious, but it was a need to go on adventures. And mm-hmm. video games just didn't do it for me, right? I needed something more expansive. I needed something deeper. I needed something that I could affect. But unfortunately, I never found role-playing games until I was almost out of undergrad. And I played my first session of Dungeons and Dragons with a couple of friends and had a great time and didn't touch it again for a couple of years. <laughs> so many of us, I started with the uh, Choose Your Own Adventure books. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was something that really helped me get into it as well. Um, did you ever uh, catch uh, Give Yourself Goosebumps, which are kind of in the same vein? No, I didn't. Uh, okay, this was during the '80s and Scholastic. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's just '90s. Yeah, R.L. Stein with the Goosebumps books. He also did like a line of Choose Your Own Adventure. So I hit Choose Your Own Adventure. I hit Go- Give Yourself Goosebumps, but never Dungeons and Dragons. Just it never really entered my sphere. I didn't know anybody that played it. Never seen <laughs> it played. Um, and then years later, um, the, the pandemic happens. Um, I'm a thousand miles from home in a new place that I just moved to. And I used tabletop role-playing games, specifically Call of Cthulhu, to mm. really get close to these people that um, you know, I was so far away from, but then I ended <clears throat> up never feeling closer to them, which is really cool. So I got here through wanting to go on adventures and explore and create worlds and inhabit those worlds. Um, and that led me to talking to you today, Perry. Yeah, it's a pleasure to talk with you more about it, uh, especially that aspect of us after I was introduced to you on the RuneQuest games, like, oh, he's doing Harlem Unbound, must watch. He's doing Haunted West, must watch. <laughs> and then I started f- f- over to your channel as well with the uh, uh, Spot Hidden. Spot Hidden, yeah. So I watched a few of those and enjoyed what I was seeing. Thank you very much. Yeah. And it's funny, like getting to run Harlem Unbound from Harlem. <laughs> that's where that's where I am at the moment. Um, yeah. And just like so much history. When I bought the book for Harlem Unbound, um, I was reading an adventure in it and I um, found out that I just lived down the street from where Alilia Walker's dark tower was um this was just like i was a block away you know and there's all this history just down the street and i can go and you know see where these people walked around or where i'm setting my horrors at and you know just scurry on home before i get eaten by a shoggoth or something so yeah (laughs) so i think that actually gets in one of the interesting places too looking at some of the games is being able to have this being in a much more poc or bipod Mm -hmm centered environment and also having this the city landscapes that match mm-hmm. which it and so forth and so can you talk a little more about that please yeah yeah whenever um i think about this i'm always i always sort of reference to chris spivey who developed um harlem unbound he has his wonderful sort of introduction at the beginning of the book where he's like lovecraft is a racist mm-hmm. we know that and in this whole sort of paragraph the sort of his thesis uh, you know um in my understanding of it is that us using mm. these seeds and these stories in creating our own worlds and finding our own joy with these pieces that are just, you know, sort sort of literarily influential and taking our ownership of that. Um, it, it's about us. It's not about Lovecraft. It's about what scares us and what scares our table. It's about mm. the fun that we're having. And I've always thought about that. Like, you know, this isn't about the hate. I'm going to take that hate and I'm going to use that hate to entertain other people and also to entertain myself and my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of the angle that I come to it at. But also with that book, it really shows 
I mean, we're not really sure. I mean, it's it's not an unknown thing. We've always been here. We've mm-hmm. always been around. We've always had stories to tell. And we've always been a an important part of the 20s, an important part of America. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a very well-researched and real, well-written and just amazing campaign setting for Call of Cthulhu that I think everybody, regardless of background, should play. Because despite what Lovecraft will tell you or what mm-hmm. history will tell you, You've always had a place, and this does a great job of showing that and letting you play with it. Oh yeah, well, one of the things that, and because right now I'm right working writing my own game, um, with some help from Bridget, uh, this is standpoint of these are elder sports. Do you think they even care about skin color, as long as they yeah. get souls energy or the biomat material? Mm, yeah, good question. Do, do you think no? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> because like you know, again, we were talking about such you know. This this concept would seem so alien to a thing that seems so alien to us. These mm. things that don't, you know, I, I completely agree with you there. So great point. Great point. Not to mention the other thought that also crossed my mind is that when looking at, because I'm listening to someone else who's doing um, the old ways in the podcast, where mm-hmm. they're doing the mask of Naralethotep. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, it's like I kind of wonder how this game would have played if it was POC characters. some of these adventures making some of these choices but the other thought that crossed my mind was you know we're going to all these other places and we're seeing how these cultures dealt with it and for some reason they didn't trigger the end of the world Mm. essentially white your your (laughs) westerners get involved it's always the end of the world (laughs) hey there you go there you go yeah (laughs) that reminds me of like i don't know like something like um i think of like get out where you Mm. see characters on screen saying exactly what the audience is thinking (laughs) you know what i mean so i feel like it would play out different with you know the all poc sort of uh group of adventurers like okay we're not going to touch that which will obviously trigger something what else can we do let's think about this in a different way (laughs) which is i think the thing and and a great thing yeah so there's so if suggestion to you or any of the others out there is like maybe we should try that with an all poc cast and see what happens yeah yeah um then another question is raised you know like what is it like visiting you know it's sort of a globe trotting adventure how does that how does that work you know for um mm-hmm. or or you know how would that play with an all poc sort of group you know interacting with these different um just places around the world um would that impact your game like how does these cultures interact with you you know another mm-hmm. interesting kind of thing that I think would be fun to play with um, or, you know, thought-provoking to play with, too. Yeah, Put your I, tables down for that. Oh, yeah, which I think is one of those things we also want to encourage with how can we play these games differently? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, even though it's getting the pandemic sort of brought about the reconnection with this, mm-hmm. I'm curious, how have you leveraged it as an actor? Mm. Yeah, well, I, I see it as um, sort of like an extension. Um, you know, it's like a it's an opportunity to inhabit something else. And in terms of like a game master, which is mostly what I do, I I mean, I don't play as much as, you know, running games. Um, you get to inhabit a lot of different people and being able to keep track of storylines and people's personalities and histories and voices and their behaviors and what makes them different from you know the other characters that you have to inhabit i think it's a great exercise and also a great exercise in improvisation obviously Mm -hmm. um where you have to sort of you know think in these ways but also 
cement certain things? What are the core pieces of this character? What makes this character immediately not only recognizable, but allows you to slide back into them easily if you need to jump back into them? What are those things? And Mm -hmm. building up skills to break down characters like that, you can translate that to your other work, whether it's theatrical, on film. Um, Yeah, yeah. what what are the pieces of this character that I'm betraying? um, And how can I slide into that out of my own life into this character and then you know vice versa so i think it's an interconnected and beneficial thing so i think that's why a lot of like you know actors and theater people um love playing dungeons and dragons or any other tabletop role-playing games because of that because of opportunities like that very much so so then i'm curious then from sorry say those of us in the mental health field the yep. aspect of that used during the pandemic to be able to stay in connection to, to yourself, mm-hmm. how has it also helped you with your mental health? Oh, yeah, it's it's helped tremendously. Um, again, like I felt like there was this need that I had always had was like filled, um, like it was like an itch that was scratched, you know, and like in a way that I just needed. Um, and it allowed me and sort of um, gave me permission to. I know I mentioned imagination and, and things like that, but to get out of my own head and, mm-hmm. and to get into community and, and to sort of, you know, make that community. Because again, I had just moved to a new place a thousand miles away from my home. And it would be so easy for me to just lock myself away in, in this solo environment and in this own sort of like vacuum. Um, but I got to meet so many new people because of this playing online or playing with like old friends or, you know, and eventually even meeting other people across the country, meeting Bridget, meeting you. Um, it really allowed me to, to do the harder thing, I think, which is opening up and reaching out in a time where it would be so easy to just turn inward. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm very thankful for that. And it, yeah, yeah, it's, life-changing you know not even just like for like i don't know any sort of professional reasons or playing uh, mm-hmm. in front of people just in general truly so if you had to give the advice to other people of color to mm-hmm. play these games what would be your pitch not just from the acting side of it but also from the mental health side of it yeah yeah um so my pitch would be um this field and then there's so many games within the sphere of tabletop role-playing games there's something for everybody and there's something um to make you smile it's all about playing at the end of the day it's all a game um so that being said there is something for you in order to draw closer to your friends to explore other avenues of yourself that you had never explored before explore avenues of um who you want to be like who is who is (laughs) who do you want to become for just a couple of hours you can become that person every week and mm-hmm. go on these adventures and conquer things that you never thought was possible. And maybe that could even translate into your own life of, you know, realizing that you are stronger than you might have thought, you know, and going out and and and, and conquering your own monsters and battles and leveling up. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. That'd be my pitch. Like it's there, there's something for you here. Find what that is, find what your friends want to do, get together and yeah, like you'll you'll see parallels in your own life after you start playing because I know I definitely have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very nice. And so, and I think we're now starting to see a few more people of color stepping into the, into the roles of playing the games, which we're also seeing on Twitch and YouTube and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, ever any plans to work with some of those other groups? Um, yeah. Um, one of my uh, 
so when you saw me um with uh Harlem Unbound, was it through Chaosium or was it with uh three black halflings? I think it was probably Chaosium. Gotcha. So uh three black halflings podcast. Yes, what was that? I think it was no, actually it was Chris Spivey's podcast. Oh okay, yeah. Twitch channel. Uh I saw I was watching those. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I know you've been on three black halflings, but and then because the chaosium ones were the ones at least I knew of. Yeah, please share. I yeah, I just wanted to shout them out because like I remember when I was coming into this field, you know, not seeing as many people that like that look like me, or, you know, or knowing like a place in it. I found that podcast and like that was like, oh wow, like again, these people are doing it and these people are excited mm-hmm. about it and they're creating in it. Um, so eventually I got to run Harlem Unbound for them, which is really, really cool, like a little full circle moment. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm always looking for opportunities to um to get into groups um with you know with more people that look like me or also people that don't look like me, but it's yeah it's always a, i'm always ready and willing and excited to play with anybody but especially um being able to be in a position where other people um can see people that look like them playing the game and having fun and i did this show you mentioned it in my bio hands up in atlanta the alliance theater so i introduced my i was i was that annoying guy i introduced my entire cast of dungeons and dragons like i made everybody play <laughs> when we weren't at rehearsal wait was that the group that you brought on from the uh radiant citadel yes <laughs> yep, i watched the first one of those and then to see the second one yeah so eventually they even got into streaming with me so that that's after this show was done done with we're all in different places we're still coming back together to play dungeons and dragons you know what i mean so that kind of thing i i, I love that and you know showing that you know there's some cool stuff here oh yeah yeah and what you can play and then of course the diversity from obviously the high fantasy to the horror that you see with Cthulhu to I'm sure there's a spy drama version out there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that radiant Citadel setting that you mentioned, um, God's breath is what it's called. It does mix, you know, your fantasy, but it mixes like your sort of eldritch horror in there as well. Mm -hmm. But it was also grounded in a place that we were all familiar, familiar with the American South. We know what that's like. We're all from there. Um, Mm -hmm. And getting to play in like a sort of a fantastical version of that, and having these touchstones that we could easily grab onto and then run with mm-hmm. was really, really cool. Really, really cool. So I love God's Breath. I'd love to play in that world for like years if I could. Yeah. Well, especially the aspect of two is like, how do these settings change when we get a hold of them? Yeah. To, to bring them forth. So, yeah. I've actually been. Um, I've seen like lots of people play that uh, scenario on YouTube, lots Mm of, you know, cast doing it. And I've mostly seen like mostly full white tables playing this game set in the black American South with these, this world full of like black people. And like, I'm just, you know, always so curious to see like, what's that like, you know, and like, you know, are what, you know, what touchstones of this culture are you like, are you learning or, you know, but it's cool seeing people engage with something that is different from their own background and, you know, learning, through play mm-hmm. in a way which is cool yeah it's funny that we're one of the only black groups that have done it but alas yeah there's that standpoint of market share i'm sure there's still some yeah. hold from the idea of the satanic panic but i think too the mm. question and this even goes back into the mental health what does it mean for those of us who are poc and we're not the classic trying to be the sports made sports or entertainment mavens what do mm. you to be the ones who are 
maybe a little more geeky, a little more focused on studies and so forth. That yeah, what does it mean to uh, create the space that is ours? Um, I mean, yeah, like what does it mean to create the space like from like a non-performer um mm -hmm. just like a sort of like a strictly geeky perspective oh. yeah so like not even talking about you know being seen or or um because you know i know that's not attractive for a lot of people being perceived <laughs> at times you know you just want to play for fun there are things there for you as well because i think about like how much better at math I've gotten <laughs> just from playing these different games. And so like, if you're a numbers person, there's something for you. If you're a history person, there's something for you where, you know, you can dive into histories that you never knew about histories. that might just be down the street. Mm. Um, and also if you're a dungeon master, you can incorporate pieces of history into your worlds, into your stories and kind of getting this kind of cool view of what the people at your table would do with face with these historical situations mm. uh, when faced with these societies, societal you know and sociological issues that might pop up in the games that you nab from history so it's also a cool interdisciplinary way to mm. explore the things that you geek out about and to incorporate them into your game and that's like something that you can't do with a video game per se you know what i mean the game is packaged and built yeah packaged and built before you ever get to it but if you can take your passion for botany and create like the most complex druid that is ever druided in the history of druidry. Mm -hmm. What's better? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like it's it's a great way to explore your own um, your own geeky obsessions. You know, I think that's a great place for us to go and take the break here. So. We're going to come back for the second half uh, after our short breaks here, folks. So I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, here with London Carl, actor, producer, gamer, and geek here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls and Tethered. So stay tuned, folks. We'll be back shortly. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Welcome back, folks, to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, here with London Carlisle. <laughs> uh, it's a hard ass name, Barry. You know, <laughs> a bunch of silent letters and stuff in there, you know. And I'm dyslexic. And yes, just anyone who's been listening consistently knows I can't describe somebody's name somehow, some way, even though I don't intend to. <laughs> no worries at all. I can't say the other word for attorney. 
litigator or you mean esquire well something even simpler than that solicitor S- simpler than that like uh, it's not an attorney it's uh i need to sure. go up to my l-a-w-y-e-r i can't say that lawyer. word lawyer I, I, I have to think about it lawyer naturally with my alabama accent i go lawyer come they don't practice law they practice law so it just never made sense to me okay i digress i digress no but that, that's fine <laughs> but that's that that that's with that element of slice of life because i think that's uh one of the beauties of what we were talking about during the uh break was the other thing that you're interested in which is sword fighting yes <laughs> i love sword what, fighting because I'm suspecting, like most people, if you didn't watch the samurai movie, you probably watched Star Wars and you wanted to basically spin around with the lightsabers. Yes, yes, indeed. And I was I was the Star Wars kid. I had all of like the uh, 3.75 action figures um, from like um, from like the Phantom Menace on. Well, that's when I was kind of born. <laughs> so from there, I could I could get them, or my folks could get them for me. <laughs> But I was enamored with Star Wars, and so I've always really liked like the lightsaber fights and things like that. And eventually, um, once I was in New York for like an internship over a summer in 2018, I found this theater company that does these classes in stage okay. combat, but specifically like it's like a blend of um sort of stage combat but also traditional japanese swordsmanship mm-hmm. that company is called samurai sword soul headed up by yoshia mao he's also a phenomenal actor he plays anime yogi in the jellystone show um he was the host on japanese which was on like disney xd mm-hmm. dope 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 actor but also an amazing swordsman martial artist um and so i've been taking that class you know like on and off since so for probably like five or six years now, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just gives you like, you know, so many skills outside of, you know, just like on a stage, if you're in some sort of piece dealing with swords, like it just helps your sort of bodily awareness. It helps you really connect with how you move through space and being aware of other people. Because if you're swinging this like big hunk of wood around, <laughs> you want to make it look like it actually is actually connecting and like mm-hmm. it looks real and fun and engaging. But at the end of the day, you can't hit somebody in the head with it. So knowing where people are and, you know, if you have like if you're one person, there's like a dozen ninjas coming at you mm-hmm. <laughs> and knowing where other people are so that it's all very safe, but also fun, you know, for for an audience watching, which is cool. Right. And, and with especially with all the Marvel shows, we've seen more than enough uh, coordination to have to go into those fight scenes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much coordination that goes into it. Um, we do this one thing in the class called Kikari Kaiko, which is where, again, one person versus the rest of the class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Yoshi will like turn up like this, like music, and we just go at it. But it's all very concentrated and all very sort of you know like safe and we're really applying the things that we were learning and the repetition uh, that we were learning and everything and it's, and it's a great company if, if you can they travel all over the country doing their shows they do japan festivals uh, they do a big one in atlanta every year um they're doing one in brooklyn this weekend that i'm going to i'm not in the company um mm-hmm. but i will be there supporting and cheering them on and watching um the actual company do it but it's uh yeah great great stuff samurai sword soul check those folks out those good folks 
And even though this is an audio podcast, you should see the giant grin on his face as he is talking about this. I'm nerdy, Perry. I'm nerdy. Okay. I didn't think you were nerdy. It wasn't that you weren't nerdy, but it's just like the grin. The, the, aspect, <laughs> the radiance that's coming off of these pearly whites. I'm almost blind in here. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. That's so nice. Not a problem. <laughs> But it's oh. that giddy joy, and some would say black boy joy, or at least joy, that yeah. in being able to indulge in this. And we don't have to be super serious all the time. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Smiling is smiling is good for you, I believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was just telling uh, Perry on our break, um, I'm going to pick up a new sort of aspect of my um uh, swordsmanship and stage combatancy. Um, I just got this cool scholarship um, at a school in Brooklyn for um, a 10-week course on the Shaolin Dao sword um, and sort of integrating that with single sword training combat um, and at the end of the course being tested by the Society of American Fight Directors, which will be very, very cool to do and to have that other little side of me. So we get the Star Wars with the Samurai Sword Soul. Mm-hmm. With the Shaolin Dao, we get the Wu Tang, you know. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at, right? <laughs> so okay, I guess now uh, I can't believe it. I'm going to suggest this one. You can think about it as you want to run a game. Probably, shall we say, the Samurai Wu Tang, but a uh, POC centered uh, RPG. It would work. It would work. I was, I was like, should I make like a, my own like lasers and feelings hat, just something simple so that I can get, you know, the hip hop martial arts blend. Oh yeah. It'd be fun. It'd be a fun game. Well, again, depending on how you market it, it's pretty much going to hit every single black anime nerd that's there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't really see it behind me, but I have like this, I have a poster. It's Mm -hmm. like a RZA concert poster where he's live scored um the 36 chamber of shaolin behind me mm. a big poster of that movie um again I'm, I'm a huge nerd about this stuff so it's weird it's not even like a picture from the movie 36 chamber of shaolin it's a picture of gordon Liu from the movie um the eight diagram pole fighter but it's just a cool picture so i guess rizzo wanted to use it anyway this is besides the point your listeners can't even see this but i geek out about Kung Fu flicks and music and you know other stuff other than tabletop and ag. Oh, really cool. I mean, <laughs> not that I'm follow a lot of his work, but I know he's had the uh, what was it, Man with the Iron Fist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he also did a number, I think, a couple of pieces for Pacific Rim. Oh yeah, yeah, and he also scored Kill Bill, Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill. So, um, speaking of um, the Man with the Iron Fist, it's funny. So, um, Thirty Six Chambers Shaolin. I just mentioned the actor Gordon Liu. We starred in this movie back in the day, back in the 70s. I believe RZA, you know, grew up watching this movie because named the first Wu-Tang album after this movie and after Enter the Dragon called Enter the 36th Chamber. Gordon Liu, the star of this movie, mm-hmm. plays the abbot of Shaolin in RZA's movie Man with the Iron Fist. So I can imagine that's like a full circle moment of like, you know, watching somebody as a kid growing up, using inspiration from them to elevate yourself and then getting a chance to work with them eventually, which is really cool. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. And if people know that history, yeah, then it's even more poignant. Uh, But it's that little takeaway that you're going to find in those cliff notes as well. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess. Maybe so I'm thinking too deeply. A bunch of people, which I'm sure they're going to go scurrying. 
to watch. Yeah. yeah, watch. Yeah, check it out. Gordon Liu's dope. He's awesome. <laughs> He's really cool. He's really cool. He's in Kill Bill as well. He plays two roles. He's in Kill Bill 1 as Johnny Moe, leader of the Crazy 88. And he's in mm. Kill Bill 2 as Priest Pai Mei, um, mm. which I have, I have a picture of Pai Mei hanging above my computer here, um, which is also funny because I believe it's in, is it Clan of the White Lotus or is it um, Executioners from Shaolin? I don't know which movie it is. Another old Shaw Brothers movie. But Gordon Liu, a young actor, like I think, yeah, couple years younger than me i believe at the time gets killed by pai mei in that movie mm-hmm. and then in kill bill volume two he plays pai mei so full circle for for everybody i guess everybody full circle if you need a full circle moment it's coming everybody <laughs> as he just as uh uma thurman's character found out yeah yeah i've gone on a complete tangent that i didn't expect i apologize no, but, <laughs> it's just, but it's showing the uh, our our geekiness, which we again are here to normalize. Yes, and all of this. Thank you. So one of those others, especially with the uh, uh, aspects of gaming, there's the all aspect because you were mentioning earlier you got another project you're going to be doing in April. Yes, yeah. So in April, I'm going to be a dungeon master at D&D in a castle. Now, that's this like great destination vacation over in the UK. Um, mm. So April 5th through 9th, I will be dungeon mastering all weekend where you can play Dungeons and Dragons in a 600-year-old castle, an actual factual castle. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's something that interests you. You know, visit the, the website, dndinacastle.com, um, and you can, you know, sign up at my table, play with me for a weekend, and I'll make sure I'll cook up a great adventure for you. Um, and I'll be honest with you, Perry, I have not started working on the 24 hours worth of adventuring that I have to deliver because uh-huh. as part of my style, it's all about inspiration for me when it comes to running games. And when inspiration strikes, it strikes. And then from there, in that place where there's all this energy and all this creative energy, that's mm-hmm. where like I work best to like make something that means something to me in the moment. You know what I mean? Something that's immediate, something that's fun. And that's something that I want to do for this for sure. So which also, on, which also capitalizes on the improv aspect too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, totally. So it will be well planned out, I promise. I will have my notes there. But as far as what the adventure is specifically. Oh, you're gonna have to sign up to do that. So you know, I have to give us some notes later on once it's run. Because I sure. think last year, in the exact same spot this episode is going to, I got a chance to talk with B. Dave Walters, who was oh, yeah, ready to do his own D and D in a castle as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if we'll be there while I'm there. Um, maybe. Uh, but yeah, totally. <laughs> Did he was he already all planned out that by this time? Oh, I don't can think you I, that, I don't think I asked him that question. I knew it was coming up. So, <laughs> it was just, but then again, he was also in the middle of Black Dice Society at that point. So it's like, oh Whoa. yeah, yeah, Black Dice Society, wonderful, wonderful. Speaking of Black Dice Society, um, Becca Becca Scott is like one of the people that just really believed in me and like nurtured me and like encouraged me to play the game mm-hmm. and to like make a stream. Like, 
I again, I was fresh to Cthulhu. She was doing the Calyx at the time, and yeah. I watched it. It's like, wow, you know, these aren't the normal people that I see playing these games, playing this game. How do you do it? Like, what do you do? How do I get into this world of, you know, showing this stuff off? And she's just like, just you know, just do it. And went out, made made spot hidden with my friends, and yeah, we've been playing ever since. So Becca's really cool, and even a couple years before that, Mark Mir. <laughs> and i feel like i've told this story about mark me a billion times but it's so funny to me um ever since i was 15 i've been going to this one convention in atlanta dragon con right yeah i would go to dragon con every single year and it was always like the best time for me even before i could drive over there i would have my folks take me and i would you know do all the cosplaying and such and as is normal for a you know a young teen mm. marvel dc a lot of the times that's it, you know, that's, it's, it's awesome. So I would always do superhero cosplays. Mm-hmm. I did like Aqualad. I was one of the first people in Atlanta to do Miles Morales, like back when he mm-hmm. dropped, which is really fun. Um, yeah. So I would go to these Marvel and DC photo shoots that were huge, hundreds of people on these giant steps, dragon contacting pictures. Mm-hmm. And you would over the years kind of see some of the same people there, some of the same people, but there was always this guy, always this guy. And you could never see his face, but you always knew it was the same guy because he had the most quality mask. I'm mm. talking about like movie grade special effects mask always done up. And, you know, it was the same guy. Eventually mm. I went and talked to him, found out he'd been coming to Dragon Con since before I was born. He lived in Canada. He was a really nice guy. And as I got to talk to him, mm. I at the time was really into Mass Effect. And mm. as he was talking, I connected that this was Commander Shepard. Which is really cool. And Mark Mark became like, you know, a, a great friend and played Cthulhu, ran Cthulhu for him eventually. Um, he's also a wonderful improviser. Um, so yeah, I, I was I was really geeking out over black dice for just like, you know, just a bunch of wonderful people um rolling dice together and telling horror stories, which I I was very much watching his uh bookshops of Arkham and I'm looking forward to oh, yeah. Graveyards of Arkham. Graveyards of Arkham and so forth. And as you were saying about Becca, that's also how Bridget got into all of this when I interviewed her. <laughs> hey. Hi. As is, she's got her for Symphony. She has the her Twitch stream, which gets rebooted over onto uh YouTube, which I've been a player in a number of her streams now, too. Uh so there's all of that. And I, I consider that one of the benefits that I know for my own mental health uh is useful being a therapist as well. So to that point. What do you think is one of the myths and realities around mental health? Myths and realities. Um, Especially as a POC, doing let alone actor and dealing with streaming too. Yeah. Um, um, a myth, I think, is that you can't say no in order to go places. Mm. That's a myth. And I feel like that's not a helpful myth in the slightest. You know, I don't know, killing killing yourself over um, and like stressing out over, you know, things that you that are just breaking you down and not being able to check in with yourself and listen to yourself when you need rest or when you, um, you know, again, not paying attention to like your own signs of how you're feeling and, mm-hmm. you know, what what calls to you, what you, you know what you have the energy for not listening to those things um, mm-hmm. can be very damaging and feeling like, Oh, well, I'm going to miss this opportunity or I'm going to miss out on this or miss out on that. If I don't 
just do it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to always do everything all the time. And that's something that I had to learn, you know? And so I think that's a big myth that should be dispelled and that it's okay to take care of yourself. And I feel like with your podcast and with your show, that's one thing that you're really publicizing um, and really, you know, letting people know it's okay, especially, you know, being POCs um, where you, you know, are just yeah, taught, to, taught to work hard. If you need, if you want to get it, got to work harder than everybody else. You got to do it. Got to go for it all all the time. Always be on. But you, exactly. you don't you don't have to always be on, which is something that I had to learn. I think that's a big myth and I think that's something that should be talked about. Oh yeah, well the productivity and then they also having to be 110 and I know also living with the dyslexia aspect it feels like I have to work sometimes I'll operate at 120 just to even make up for that. Mm. And how have I pushed myself in the past? And how I was like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think one of the things that's hitting a lot of us, especially after the pandemic, with what are we working for and why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and it, like, again, it, like, takes sacrifice. It's not, nothing's free. You know, your energy is spent, you know, a lot of the times. And, um, again, just being in tune with how, you, how you're feeling, how you're doing, and moving from a place of, of concern for yourself and of, of knowledge of yourself instead of a place of like, how can I get to this place as quickly as possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one of the things we have to keep in mind. And there is also that pleasure if we're playing a game, why we have the journeys on the road to get to know the characters and slow down. It's not always just bust into the castle. You're right. Right, right, right. Yeah. And sometimes it's all about, um, the journey to that castle or the journey to destroy the ring. <laughs> you know, it's a, that's when I think about a long journey as a journey anyway. Um, yeah, exactly. Like I totally agree with you on that point. And that can be most of the fun. A lot of the times, you know, and, and discovering who your characters are, discovering what they really want, what are we working for? You know, mm-hmm. and I like incorporating that into my games. What 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 are your characters working for? For real, for real, not just like the goal of my game that I've set out for you. What does your character want? What's important to them? And then incorporating those pieces into the game as a part of the story, giving you a chance to really connect with those things and see those things to show that it is bigger than just the adventure or bigger than just the horror there is heart <laughs> that's at the core of what you're doing you know there's a core heart at the core of what we're doing as we're playing this game and there's heart at the core of your characters and thinking about that while you're playing can help you think and be more conscious about that in your waking life you know which is cool and i think that's a beautiful place for us to go ahead and end on so where can folks find you if they want to follow more of your work? Yeah, find me um, on the socials at London Carlisle. Again, there's like some silent letters in Carlisle. <laughs> so watch out for that. I'm sure it'll be in the descriptions of any of this stuff. But yeah, follow me there. But also follow D&D in a Castle to stay tuned on, on, on my game and on the other games you can play with people that have been friends of the podcast, such as B. Dave Walters, which is really, really fun. Um, so yeah, there, D&D in a Castle and at London Carlisle. That's me. Thank you so much, Perry. Not a problem. Thank you for being here and thank you for 
taking this recording. And so stay tuned, folks, because we'll have more coming out for the rest of this year. Uh, let's see here. Time-wise, this is going to air at the end of October. So the following month, you also want to guys want to check out David Archer's book, who's not only talking about psychotherapy from an anti, uh, anti-racism standpoint, but we also talk about his Afrofuturism book, Black Mountain, as well. So check that out and uh, stay tuned for the rest of this year. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.